0: All right, it's good to see everyone. Um, my, name's Pastor, my name's Terry, I'm one of the pastors here and thankful to get the opportunity to open God's word with you and thankful for the, the atmosphere of worship that we get to enjoy um, as we come before him, as we humble ourselves before him. Uh, today wraps up Missions Month, but I hope every month is Missions Month, really. Uh, we want to be a church on the move that's living missionally in our community. And so, um, you know, the country flags may disappear, but I, I hope and pray that that um, we continue to have a heart for the nations, globally and locally. And so, as we land the plane, so to speak, in, in terms of Missions Month, we're, we're launching into um, a new season of... Increase and decrease. And I can see how the Lord really has timed everything in a special way right now in the life of this church. And I'm thankful to be part of it in, in that regard. Um, today, we're really going to look at this idea of suffering and suffering in the trenches as a Christian. What does it mean um, to suffer as a believer? The pattern of Jesus's life, it's obvious that it's one of suffering. If you read the account of the Gospels, if you look at what he encountered uh, in his earthly life, he, he just encountered suffering, extreme suffering. And we're promised, we're told that as Christians, the way of our life will look and feel like the earthly life of Jesus. I mean, that's what we're promised. We're promised that our lives will look and feel like the life of Jesus. And we're invited into the way, the pattern of his life, to follow him as the way to the Father and to take up our cross as we live out our Christian faith, like he lived, the life of surrender, pouring our lives out for our brothers and sisters uh, around the world. And yet, when we suffer the experiential aspect of suffering is that uh, it often catches us off guard. We're shocked at times in the way that suffering so personally attacks us. It, it can be severe, it can just be this weight that you're, you're going through. And the shock of suffering that comes out of us at times out of nowhere, when, when least expected, it sends us into these, this time of questioning, like why is this not going away? Why is God not healing me? Why is he not lifting this burden? Who's out to get me? God, where are you in the midst of this? I can't see you. So today we're, we're really gonna use the scripture to challenge us to how do we think about suffering? And specifically, how do we think about suffering in the trenches of our Christian faith? Um, I recently spent a week in Africa. I just got back last Saturday from a week in Tanzania, and then I had uh, time to spend, I, from Tanzania, Africa, I went over to Lebanon, Beirut, and then on the way home, I ended up in Amsterdam overnight. So I was kind of like jumping across all the continents. So this idea of suffering and, and seeing this in Tanzania and then seeing it in Lebanon has really given me a global perspective at this moment in my life. Here's a couple of pictures from my trip. The worship in Africa is amazing. I went with the Timothy Initiative, which is disciple-making movement. Um, Our brothers and sisters in Christ are really pouring out their faith in Tanzania. We got a chance to participate in the baptisms. And it was just so inspiring to see how um, you can be in a country, both Tanzania and Lebanon, you see a mosque, then you see a church, then you see a mosque, then you see a church. It's very visually striking how Muslim, a big part of this region of the world is. Um, Tanzania is about uh, 60% Christian and 30% Muslim. Lebanon's the opposite, it's about 60% Muslim and 30% Christian. But you hear the call to prayer, you know, three times a day. You just hear it through the whole community. So coming back from that, I kind of have uh, sort of a global perspective right now. It'll probably wear off in time. But um, I took 11 different flights. Over the course of a week and a half, I spent hours on the plane thinking and writing and watching movies. I watched a lot of movies on the planes. (laughs) And you know how when you watch a movie on the plane, you're like, this was a good movie. Like movies just seem better on the plane. I was telling Libby, my wife, I was like, we got to watch this movie, then we got to watch this movie. And then then we'll watch them and I'll be like, actually, yeah, it wasn't that good. But... (laughs) But in the midst of it, when you're, when you're kind of like soaring across the earth, looking over the earth, um, at least the sentimental person that I am, it, it, things like move, a good storyline really speaks to me. But I had a lot of time to think, and coming back from Africa and the Middle East, even a short time in Europe, um, I just feel that there's a message that we have here. There's a global connection that we have, but there's something specific that God wants for us in our community when it comes to suffering in the trenches. So we begin with a question, how have you suffered? How have you suffered? This is a question I want you to think about. So this, a lot of times when you're listening to someone, you're just listening, you're taking it all in, but you're not thinking necessarily. I I want you to move in a time of thinking right now. How have you suffered? Think about your own life, Look, look back on it. I'll share two stories from my life that will give you a glimpse of the moderate suffering I, I've experienced, but might help you think about some of the ways that you've suffered. Um, and I'm just talking about general suffering, right? I, a couple of years ago, I was walking out of church, a different church, and I was, went down the steps, and I, I rolled my ankle. I sprained it so bad. It was like a terrible sprain. My daughter was 16 at the time. I was like, you're driving home. She drove us home. I went to the ER. When I sprained my ankle, I was 100% convinced. I know nothing about ankle sprains, but I was 100% convinced I broke my ankle. (laughs) If you've ever sprained your ankle really significantly, you know what I'm talking about. And um, they did the x-rays. Everything was fine. They were like, it's just a severe sprain. I was hobbling around on crutches for weeks and My wife was making fun of me, and other people started making fun of me. They're like, really? Sprained ankle? You need crutches for two weeks? I was in therapy. (laughs) I went to physical therapy. And if one person told me, I don't know how many people told me, they, they said the same thing over to me again and again. You know, a sprain can be worse than a break when it comes to an ankle. And I was like, I know, that's what I'm experiencing right now. My sprained ankle is worse than a broken ankle. So it's funny how when you go into the granular nature of your own suffering, even something as somewhat insignificant in the grand scheme of life, of a sprained ankle, it it can set you back. I remember a couple weeks later, I was still maybe off the crutches at this point. I was standing at the top of the steps of those same steps at church. And I don't know why, but the Lord took me back to a conversation I had had at the top of those steps a couple weeks earlier. And I remember I was talking with one of our deacons, and we were sort of co-commiserating over somebody that had sort of turned their back on the church. And we were like, not that surprising that, you know, we kind of saw that coming. And, and as I reflected back on that conversation, post-sprained ankle, I felt the conviction of it, like, you know what, that was not the way we should have been talking about that person And so even in something like a sprained ankle, there's great lessons to be found as we kind of look back and see why it's happening. Uh, Another part of my suffering that I've, for me, has been real is um, my struggle with depression. I I get seasonal depression, probably like some of you. I got like pound vitamin D and I'm like, we got to get to Florida for a weekend, you know, like that's pretty much my goal. Thankfully, this winter has been pretty pretty nice and sunny. Um, but I remember one time I went through a season in the summer when I had never experienced any kind of depression before. And it caught me off guard. I was like, why is this happening, Lord? This, you know, Is it physical? Is it emotional, mental, spiritual? I kind of had to go into it and, and really get counseling and get good counsel from pastors and accountability and you know, not give up hope through that, and it, it was what I would call moderate depression. It wasn't severe, but it gave me a taste for the darkness of. It, it was like when you when you're at night and you're trying to find a um, you know, light in a room, and you, and you go to a, a, you find a flashlight and you turn the light on. turn the flashlight on, and the batteries are like already dim. And then you're like, okay, I gotta try something else. So then you find a box of matches, and you go to strike. We have this box of matches at our house. I don't know why we still have it, but you strike the side of it and all the flint is worn off. So you're like feverishly trying to get a, a, a match to light. You're like, what's going on? I can't, I can't strike any light into this. And that's kind of the experience of it, right? So stepping through that and out of it um, was part of a moderate way that I've suffered. And, and I'm thankful for it. In both examples, my goal was to move beyond it. You know, like, Lord, why is this here? get rid of it, um, I shouldn't have to live this way, I mean, I shouldn't have to live on crutches, right? You know, that's, that's your, it's strange how we think in the midst of suffering. And that's what we wanna get at a little bit. So how have you suffered? I'll ask you again, how have you, how have you suffered in your life? I mean, mine has been pretty moderate. I know from some of your storylines, through the prayer requests and through sitting with you, that you, you have faced significant Suffering, a lot of you. And so, as we go into this text, we're going to see how he speaks to suffering. You can turn with me to First Peter chapter four. I'm going to read the whole text, and then we'll kind of work back through it. This is the we've been in First Peter. We were in three. You know, um, make sure that you're ready in any season to give a, a reason for the hope that's that's in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. And then we talked about last week, Pastor Valak brought to us, what does it mean to bear the name Christ? And really, this is a continuation of that thought. Um, Peter begins in verse 12, he begins the conclusionary sort of, hey, my brothers and sisters, my loved ones, dear friends, dear beloved, and it's his sort of like closing comments on the, the life that this church is living in the midst of suffering. So we begin in verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly, the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Suffering is an interesting word. It's like, it's one of those words, if you say it over and over, it can become weird to say it, suffer, 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 you know. And uh, the word comes, the English word comes from Old Middle English. It's kind of built from Latin, Latin roots. And it, the word suffer, it literally means to be underneath a heavy burden. To be, to sort of undergo a heavy weight. That's literally what suffer means, to suffer is to be underneath the heaviness. And suffering is the active experience of being stuck and trying to get out from underneath of all this weight. So it's, it's natural for us to want to get, <laughs> to get out of suffering. I don't think we should pretend like, oh, suffering, yeah, just, of course, that's where we want to be. No, the word itself implies that this is something we're gonna to try to get out from underneath of. And so that's important to think about. As I meet with you and as I meet with people, you know, one of my little things that I've come to is that there's no one that's not suffering at some level. Um, suffering while not always equal, you know, my sprained ankle probably doesn't compare to some of the significant physical suffering that, that I know some of you have gone through. While not always equal, there is a universal, universal aspect to suffering. You could be um, a teenager and you have, you have a sense of suffering. Children can go through and endure and be resilient in extreme suffering. Some children, based on their household, where they come from, their storyline, their the, their family origin, they face extreme suffering. So, suffering is something that f- whether you're young or you're old, you're going to experience it in your life. So, how do we think about it when it comes to our Christian faith? I want to put this little framework in front of you. Um, I call it types of suffering, but it's not really types, it's more kind of a way of thinking when it comes to the types of suffering. First, we can suffer as a human. Suffering is human. And then we can also suffer as a Christian, meaning you're going through everyday human suffering, but now you're living that out through the lens of your Christian faith. And then third, we can suffer because we are Christians. You can suffer because you are a Christian. In other words, that suffering that you're enduring is a direct correlation to, your, to the fact that you bear the name Jesus. And that's what he, Peter is getting at here. And, and so how do we think of it in a place where we have to live within these layers? Um, I wanna work back through them just on the personal side. Let's think about suffering as a human first. Um, in one of my flights, you now when you go on a trip, you have all kinds of stories, so I'll share another one. Uh, One of my flights, I was flying from um, Beirut, Lebanon, where I had got a chance to spend a few days with my daughter, Eden, who's serving there with Youth with a Mission. And, you know, as a dad of a daughter with an 18-year-old in Beirut, Lebanon, let me tell you, it was nice to get a couple days with her, just checking in on her and having coffee and having breakfast. So I flew from Beirut to Amsterdam and sat next to a guy, here's a picture of him, and he said I could share part of his story. This is Muhanid. Um, You'll see two passports. He, he told me his whole story over the, the several hours of our flight. And, and that was good. Like, I was, like, eating it up. You know, sometimes you're on a plane and you're like, I just want to put my headphones on and I want to watch my movie. This was one of those, man, this guy's story was so captivating. Um, the one passport is his Syrian passport and the other one is his passport from the Netherlands. He was on the way back from Lebanon, Beirut, where he had just been reunited with his mom and his dad and his sister after 10 years. Uh, over 10 years ago, he, he fleed Syria um, as a refugee. He finally made it to the Netherlands, and he couldn't leave the Netherlands until he got his Netherlands passport because he knew he couldn't even go back into the region um, until he had that, that passport um, to get back. And he was telling me about the time that he reunited with his mom and his sister. She was five when he left. Now she was like 15, 16. And just you know, emo- the emotional aspects. And then he told me about his story. He fleed Syria. He, at one point he was on a boat trying to flee with a bunch of people. The boat sank. Many of the people in the boat died. There was a few of them survived and him and his friend were kind of on the survival side. And he looked over to his friend and his friend had lost his passport and he's, and he showed his friend he had saran wrapped his Syrian passport to his chest. He's like, That's this is all I need. And and he needed that to demonstrate that he was a refugee, that he could get asylum where he was going. He needed to prove that he was on, on the run from Syria. So this guy, you know, tells me his story. And his mom is is Muslim and his dad is Christian. And we started talking about the faith. And you can pray for him. And I, I told him I was going to share the story. And we're staying in contact in WhatsApp. But he's suffering. His, his human suffering is beyond the suffering that I've experienced in my own life. And he's still reconciling that with his faith. He's suffering as a human. We can turn the TV on. Um, when we were flying over this one region, he, he he's like, hey, look, look down here. You see how it's all dark? and he told me we were flying directly over the border between Syria and Turkey if you draw a straight line between Lebanon and Amsterdam i guess you fly right over where the earthquake happened and so as we turn the tv on we can see mass human suffering all around us so how do we navigate that when it comes to christian suffering when the level of suffering that's being experienced in the world is as extreme as any Christian suffering that's happening. So how do we reconcile that? So let's go a little deeper. How do we suffer as a Christian? I would call this sort of like, now we are suffering much the way humanity does, but now we bring the life of Jesus alongside of that. And... Maybe it's a sprained ankle. Maybe it's a battle with cancer. Maybe it's a broken family, a broken marriage, um, a distant child, seeing a child go off as a prodigal. Who knows what your story entails? But that is part of your suffering. And now you're suffering as a Christian. Um, Paul talks about this in Romans 5, and it, it sits as a nice parallel thought with the Peter passage. And Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings, no matter what kind of suffering it is. We rejoice knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. It does not put us to shame, it does not disappoint us. So as we suffer as Christians, it's biblical to go through that like Jesus would go through the suffering, even if it's not specifically because we are a Christian. Because when we suffer, we have to persevere. And as you persevere, you build endurance, and out of that endurance comes character. You, don't, you didn't know where it came from, but it came from the perseverance. And then out of that character, because of the life of Christ, you have hope. And we're not put to shame in that. So there's a real value in what I would call human suffering lived through the lens of a Christian. And then lastly, at times and more and more, we will suffer because you are a Christian, because we are Christians. And again, I wanna unpack that a little bit. There's um, another slide here that I would point you to a resource. Um, The Voice of the Martyrs is one of the best sort of global organizations that tracks Um, Christian persecution in areas that are hostile to the gospel or resistant to the gospel. And you go on their prayer guide. When I went on, I read about Syria, and I read about Lebanon, and I read about Turkey, and I read about Tanzania, all of which were on there. And there's a level of hostility and resistance to the gospel that's a little bit different than what we experience in America. So there are Christian brothers and sisters all over the world suffering Because they bear the name of Jesus. And again, let's zoom back in here now to our setting. How does that apply to us? I think we can be, uh, we can pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends out workers. As Pastor Valak reminded us on uh, Friday night at the missions banquet hey, if you could ask us to pray for anything for the Ukraine, what would you ask us to pray for? Send workers into the harvest. The harvest is ripe. People are turning to God in the midst of their suffering. More than he asked to pray for peace, more than he asked for safety, he asked for uh, workers to be sent into the field. And so I think us having a global awareness of that and responding to it personally and corporately as a church is important. Uh, But I want us to also think about how 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 are we living this out locally? Are we just simply suffering as a Christian? Or are we suffering because we are a Christian? And I would say there's tension there. I'd say we're living in the in-between of that. Um, We still live in a country where any one of us... I'm going to say something I, I think that's true, and you can you can maybe disagree with me, I think it's true. We can go out and we can proclaim the name of Jesus in this community. I mean, we can use a loudspeaker if we want to. I'm not saying we should, because we know that we should preach with gentleness and respect. We should listen before we speak. We should sometimes wait for people to ask us, why are you so hopeful? However, there's also the truth that any one of you can go anywhere, I would say almost anywhere in America probably, and just verbally say, hey, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, I actually believe he's the only way to God. There's an exclusivity in this storyline that it's not easy to explain, but it, it's true. It's, I believe it to be true, and not only do I believe it be true for me, <laughs> I believe it to be true for you. We can say that in our community, it doesn't mean that we might not get a job promotion or that we might not be outcast at school. And that's why I say we're living in the tension of the suffering as a Christian and suffering because we are a Christian. But as we lean into this, I want to give you three very simple, straightforward points about how to live this out in the here and the now. Um, I wanted to have one point And actually, my last one is my main point, but the first two are worth stating. If you're at the missions banquet, um, Pastor Valak shared how he came into preaching, and he just said, one point, the gospel, (laughs) and it was powerful. Um, But there's three things I want to highlight from this passage. Number one, stop being surprised. Don't allow the surprise of suffering to attack everything you believe. This is a tactic of the enemy. When we wallow in the why, why? We get stuck in a feedback loop that has the danger of removing the fruitfulness of suffering. And I think we're especially prone to this in our American luxury culture. Like when I flew in those airplanes, it was like, well, you can upgrade to plus, 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 plus. And it's like, yeah, I want, like, I want four more inches on a 10 hour flight. I, And you know what? I did. (laughs) I spent that 30, 40 bucks, and I upgraded to plus. We live in a luxury time where we don't want to feel any pain. We don't want to go through any suffering. But we need to stop being surprised. When we allow, uh, again, this feedback loop to get overly focused on suffering, the enemy is using that to start to call into question what's happening. We need to move from that and start to uh, be joyful. That's number two. Start being joyful. Rejoice. He says it, be overjoyed. Be full of joy. Start being joyful. I've thought a lot about this. Um, Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's a way to take account. It's, It's a way to count your joy. Like, you may be an earthen vessel broken, but you have this treasure within, which is the joy, the Holy Spirit, the overflow of the fruitful and righteousness that God is pouring out in your life. So to be joyful, it's not something that we can do by will alone. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's where you need to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to be joyful in the midst of suffering. And when this happens, this joy becomes a fruit that becomes striking and startling and confounding and confusing to those that are simply suffering as like a human. And so it's sourced in the future glory that we share with Jesus, that this is not the end. That's the Christian message that even as we suffer, even if, as our lives are poured out day by day, uh, we are pouring ourselves out but we are being renewed day by day in our inner selves, being made more like him, being transformed in his image. And then lastly, uh, this is the one, if I had one point, this is it. Wear the name of Jesus boldly. And this is the part that I think we need to do the work here to figure out what this is, but what does it mean for us to wear the name of Jesus boldly? I've always loved those people that can wear Christian T-shirts. <laughs> I have a couple, but they're usually like under my shirt. <laughs> and a Christian T-shirt, I've been I've been in tension about the Christian T-shirt for a long time. It's like, is that how I want to lead? But I've always admired that boldness and the ones that, you know what? Here it is. It's right on my T-shirt. I wear the name of Jesus boldly. It's difficult to... Uh, Critique that when it's done in the right spirit. So how do we do that? Is it, do we just go to the Christian bookstore when they used to exist and get a Christian (laughs) t-shirt with a verse and wear it? I think that, yes, there could be that aspect. Like, maybe that is what you're supposed to do. But obviously, it has to go beyond a t-shirt that we wear. It has to be true, true. Inwardly. And this is where I would say we're so comfortable with our Christian lives being implied upon others and not stated upon others that we we never put the Christian t shirt on because we think eventually they'll figure out I'm a Christian. I may never mention the name of Jesus. I may never tell them I'm a Christian. I may be subtle and say, Hey, can I pray for you? Or I was with my church group the other day and we did this. But How do we wear the name of Jesus boldly? I want to really end with this question. What is a step of boldness? What is a step of boldness that's appropriate for your life? I want to give you some examples just to get you thinking. And this is where we're going to land the plane on this question. As we go out, as we enter into this next 40 days... Um, to, of increase and decrease, what is a step of boldness that's appropriate for your life to bear the name of Jesus more tangibly, more visibly, more on, the, on your lips? Uh, two weeks ago, we had um, just a, a walkthrough through the Three Circles Gospel Guide, and we, we were clearly challenged, hey, between now and Easter, walk someone through this. We were talking about it with our life group, and It was even like, well, I don't like when people tell me how to share the gospel. I just want to share the gospel. So we recognize with any tool, you know, there's going to be the upside to the tool and the downside to the tool. But this is a good one. Brokenness. Brokenness is suffering. Maybe, Maybe the bold step for you is to, for the first time, say I'm a Christian. Like, have you, if you're in this room... And you've never said, I am a born-again believer in Jesus. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Maybe that's the bold step, that you take on the name of Christ for the first time. That's what we call becoming a Christian, stepping out of brokenness, repenting and believing in the gospel, the good news, that there's only one way to the Father, and it's through the life of Jesus. And he has corrected and reinstated God's design in our lives. And this gives us mission and purpose, to go and reach the world, to reach back into the sin and the brokenness that's so prevalent around us. Um, but maybe, maybe you're called to, to step into that circle somewhere today, or maybe, again, reminder to, um, to do this between now and Easter as a personal challenge, to to share the gospel with someone. I thought of some other ways. Um, Tell a friend at school that you are a Christian. I guess I'm looking up there. (laughs) Tell a friend at school that you're a Christian. And I remember being at Concord High School, that's where I went. Um, I remember that was a hard thing to tell them that you were a Christian back then. So I know it's hard today. Tell them that you're a Christian and, and why your faith is important. Um, meet a neighbor for coffee and listen to their story. Spend a few minutes at work sharing how your faith has shaped how you approach everyday impact at work. Um, ask a friend how you can be praying for them. Um, here's recent, one that I heard recently. Um, get a group of guys together to start playing basketball and use it as an outreach and inroads to, to gather men that, otherwise wouldn't come near the church. Um, here's some specific ones that ways were involved that I would invite you into. Uh, I don't want to say anything too big or too small, but, but here's some op- opportunities. Become a foster parent. There's a lot of opportunities to be a foster parent in our community. Um, come alongside FosterWell, which is an organization that we, we sister up with to care for foster parents in our community. Um, Become a mentor at the Urban Promise Academy. They're looking for mentors at their high school to sit with students every other week, and you can share the gospel freely with them. Uh, join one of our Broken Beginnings outreach with Pastor Tim. They go once a month into the city and they proclaim the gospel. Yeah, amen. So isn't there one this Saturday? And anyone can come? Yeah, he's nodding his head, you can come. So find Pastor Tim and say, I'll come and help. What can I do? Um, Tomorrow night, there's a group of guys from our Promise Keepers group going to uh, the Sunday Breakfast Mission to lead the chapel, and they're always looking for more people to help with that. Those are a few examples. You get the idea, but I'll come back to this question. What is a step of boldness that's appropriate for your life that connects back maybe to your suffering, but specifically to the name of Christ? If you're going to call yourself a Christian, how are you going to do it? So let's bow our heads and pray. And we'll, we'll close with a song. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to walk along in a pattern that, that reflects the life of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't do that in our own empowerment. We do that in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And, and we live out of that overflow of your Holy Spirit. God, we know from your scripture that whoever believes in you, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And these are the good works that that Peter is calling us into in this time of endurance. Um, So I pray over each person here, Lord, give them a clear, uh, even now, speak to them clearly, Lord. uh, A step of boldness that you want them to take. How can you increase in this time, Lord, in this region? And we ask that your name would be made great in the Brandywine Valley. And we pray this in Jesus' name.